Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 4, verse 13. It says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Now the Lord Jesus is speaking here to his people and his intent is to give understanding about how the kingdom works. So in here is a fundamental lesson of how God operates in the earth. He says this is a fundamental parable. If you don't understand this, you won't understand anything else. I want you to skip to verse 26. We're going to come back to verse 13 in a minute. But look at verse 26. He says, this is how the kingdom of God works. He says, the kingdom is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and shall sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself doesn't know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So the, the purpose of all of this is harvest, or should I say fruitfulness. The kingdom of God uh, brings fruitfulness. Everyone say, it is God's will for me to be fruitful. Say it again, it is God's will for me to be fruitful. The very first command God gave humanity was this. He says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. So when the kingdom of God or when God's ways are in operation, you will be fruitful. It's God's will that you and I be fruitful, that our bodies be fruitful, that our minds be fruitful, that our spirits be fruitful, that our businesses be fruitful, that our marriages be fruitful, that our hearts be fruitful. The kingdom of God wants to bring fruitfulness in every aspect of your life. But in teaching his disciples, he said, you need to understand the rules of the kingdom that produce fruitfulness. He said, the kingdom operates this way. There is a seed and there is ground. You've got to find the seed and plant it in the ground. And the ground will bring forth a harvest. Now we have discovered that the seed is what? It's the word of God. Where is the ground? The heart. So the fruitfulness of God, the fruitfulness of the kingdom requires that we live from the heart. Did you see that in there? He said this is the way God's kingdom works. You know the earth was ordained to be part of the kingdom of God, or the sphere of his rulership. Yeah? The domain of God, the sphere of God's rulership, existed before he created the earth. Is that not correct? And then he created the earth, 
and made humanity to be God in the earth. Because he made humanity in his image and in his likeness. And he said, go represent me in the earth. And through your representing me, you are extending my reign and my fruitfulness in the earth. So when we talk about the kingdom of God and the fruitfulness of God's kingdom, this is how he ordained for us as human beings on the earth to live. But when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says through their sin, they entered into a different kingdom. But thank God, Jesus has rescued us from that kingdom and he has planted us back in his kingdom, Colossians 1.12 says. Are you with me? This is the way the kingdom works, which means this is the way humanity is ordained to function in the earth. And when we function this way, we will be fruitful. Because this is the way the kingdom works. So we need to learn the principles of the kingdom so we can enjoy the fruitfulness that God has ordained for us. He says the kingdom always works this way. Your heart must be involved. Tell your neighbor to enjoy real fruitfulness. You must live from your heart. Oh, say it again. To enjoy real fruitfulness, you must live from your heart. You know how a Thurman once said, he said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go and do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. He says, don't be studying trends and discovering what is making money and then go and do that. No. What the world needs are people who live from their heart. Are you with me? The kingdom, the fruitfulness of the kingdom requires that we live from where? From our hearts. He says the kingdom works this way. The heart must be involved. Amen. The heart must be involved. The heart must be involved. You know, if what you're doing feels alien to you on the inside and is hard on the inside. When I say hard on the inside, I don't mean like you're having challenges. I mean on the inside, it doesn't feel like you. You're already doing the wrong thing. Are you with me? You, you, have already, you, you cannot enjoy real fruitfulness that way. In fact, it does not matter how much money you make, you will still not be fruitful. Because you will not be, joy will not come from the inside. Are you with me? The kingdom requires that you live from your heart. That is number one. Your heart must be involved. Your heart must be involved. But then he says, the kingdom operates this way, as if a man should plant seed in the ground. And in verse 14 of the same chapter, he says, the seed is what? The word of God. Everyone say, the seed is the word of God. Say it again. The seed is the word of God. 
It is the word of God that causes your heart to be fruitful. It is the word of God that causes your heart to be fruitful. Say to your neighbor, your heart needs the word. Or say to the other person like you believe it, your heart needs the word of God. Now why does my heart need the word of God? Look at the book of Isaiah 55, verse 10. It says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there but water the earth and mix it to bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so my word that goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. So he says, as the rain is coming down from heaven, and when it falls on the earth, what is the earth? The earth is the heart, isn't it? What is the rain? The rain is the word. Because so is my word. My word is like the rain. He says, my word causes your heart to be fruitful. It causes your heart to be fruitful. Say, the word of God causes my heart to be fruitful. You know, in the book of Psalm chapter 1, the Bible says that blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his word, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. So this is a heart that feeds on the word. And because this heart feeds on the word, it is fruitful. So the word... Of your heart needs the word to be fruitful. Your heart needs the word to be fruitful. Now the question is why? Why does the heart need the word of God to be fruitful? You know in Isaiah chapter 10, um, 55 that we just read, we read verse 10. But if you read from verse 8, he says my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. But then he goes on and says, as the rain comes down from heaven, so he's saying that I think differently or on a higher level, and my ways are different from your ways, but you have the opportunity to think the way I think, you have the, uh, uh, the, the opportunity to live the way I live, to look at circumstances the way I look at them when you receive my word. A heart that embraces the thoughts and the ways of God will enjoy the productivity the Lord enjoys. Uh, are you with me? 
You know, God made us in his image and after his likeness. How many of you know that? How many of us really believe that? If God made us in his image and in his likeness, he has created us to function like him. And if we function like God, we will enjoy his productivity. Are you with me? If we function like him, like our creator, we will get his results. But in order to function like him, we need to know how he thinks. You know, one of the great things about mentorship is this. When you are mentored, it's, it's one of the tragedies, well, not even a tragedy, one of the ironies, or one of the things that, that's very hard to understand is how broke people go to other broke people for advice. It is one of these, one of these things that um, is very difficult to understand. You don't have any money. You've, had, you've tried a business and you have failed. So where do we see you? You go hang out with people like yourself and you are asking each other for advice. How do you expect to get anything other than what you are all producing together? But the Bible says that when you walk with wise people, you will be wise yourself. Because we don't know much, but when you walk with someone who is wiser than you and they share their thoughts with you, and you think like they think, you will enjoy their results. You see, when we talk about the word of God, let me dispel an illusion. The word of God is not merely the fact that you have a scripture in front of you and you are reading it. In fact, Jesus said to them in John chapter 5, I believe it's verse 39, he said, you search the scriptures... And in them you think you have eternal life, but the scriptures are actually talking about me. So he had Pharisees and Sadducees who had the scripture with them all day and all night. And yes, they had the scripture, but they were reading it with a veil over their hearts. So they were proud about the fact that they knew the scriptures. But the purpose of the scriptures is to bring us into relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you with me? The life is not in the scriptures. Jesus says, I am the life. So when we are reading the scriptures, it's to bring us into relationship with him who is the life. If your reading of the Bible is not bringing you into relationship with Jesus, you have not discovered the word yet. Are you with me? So when we talk about the word, we are talking about understanding the way God thinks. Understanding the person that he is. That is what walking in the word actually means. It means we are searching out to understand the way our father thinks. And we only want to understand it for one reason and one reason alone. So we can adopt that way of thinking. So we can adopt that way of acting. Because when we adopt God's way of thinking and acting, it will expand our hearts. Are you with me? Our hearts need to be expanded. In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 12, the Message Bible translation says, The smallness that you feel is coming from within you. 
your lives are not small, but you are living your life in a, in a small way because your heart, through a lot of circumstances, has been made small. But when you make a decision that, you know what, I'm going to live from my heart, and I'm going to find God's way of thinking through the scriptures, and you embrace his way of thinking, it will expand your heart. Are you with me? No one ever thinks like God and has a small heart. In fact, any part of your life that is small, any part of your life that you feel restriction, is a part of your life where you have not adopted the force of God. Jesus said you need to understand that the kingdom is to bring fruitfulness in your life. This is the way the kingdom works. There must be seeds. The thought of God. You must find it and plant it in your heart and allow the thoughts of God to expand your heart. Your heart will produce what you plant in it. Hallelujah. So let's go back to verse 13 of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And he said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the words, the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear the word, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So if you, had a, if you have a hard heart, the word will not produce. It can't get in there. A hard heart is closed. The word can't get in there. And if the word can't get into your heart and your heart is closed, you will have a closed life. A closed heart is what? Say it again. A closed heart is what? A closed life. But thank God we have the power to open our hearts. And make it tender. Yeah, we've covered this over a few weeks. Um, the book of um, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender hearted. Tender hearted by forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So, uh, we know how to make our hearts tender. Hallelujah. If you want more insight on that, get the CDs from previous weeks. But let's go on. Verse 16 says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Uh, but afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. We've gone through this. A stony heart, a stony ground, is one in which um, there are thoughts fortified defended belief systems, limiting belief systems um, that are out of line with God's way and God's thoughts. And those belief systems have to be up uprooted in order for the word to have room to expand our hearts. If your heart has limiting belief systems, um, your heart cannot be expanded until those systems are uprooted and replaced with God's system of thought. Amen. We, we went into this in great detail last week. Um, there's a key verse of scripture in 1 Timothy 4.15. Paul said to Timothy, meditate on these things. Give yourselves completely to them. That your progress 
may appear to all. You only have or you only enjoy progress in the area that you are meditating. Yeah? In the area where you are meditating on God's thoughts, where you are uprooting, uh, limiting belief systems in your heart and replacing them with the thoughts of God. Last week's CD has a lot of material on that. Um, you can get that. But we're going to move on this morning um, onto the next type of heart. This is a parable of the soils or a parable of the hearts because the heart is what determines the productivity of your life. Your heart is what is determining the productivity of your life. Look at um, verse, um, verse 7 of Mark chapter 4. This is where Jesus first introduces the, the seed that fell among thorns. Verse 7 says, and some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. They fell among thorns, the thorns grew up and choked it. Say to your neighbor, thorns will choke the word. Say it again, thorns will choke the word. They will choke the life out of the word. Hallelujah. And don't blame the thorns because according to Jesus, you planted them. Like, where did these thorns come from? No, no, no. You planted them, right? Um, they are coming from the heart. Look at verse 17 where Jesus gives the interpretation of that. Or verse 18. He says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world... The deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. When he was given the parable, he said there will be no fruit as a result of the thorns because the thorns will completely choke the fruitfulness of the word of God. He explains what the thorns are. He says that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the loss of other things will choke the word and it will be unfruitful. I'm going to read verse 18 again but this time from the Amplified Version. Let me have the Amplified Version up, please. It says, And the ones sown among thorns are those who hear the word. Then the cares and anxieties of the world and the distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches, and the craving and passionate desire for other things, creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. Mm -hmm. So when the Bible talks about cares, it's talking about worries, it's talking about anxiety. And they rise up in your heart as thorns and they choke the productivity of the word 
so that the word does not produce. Now, guess who is behind the spread of the notion that worries and anxiety is natural? Guess who is behind that notion? It's the devil. Okay? He's spreading this notion that to be worried and to be anxious is a natural thing. And do you know why he's spreading that notion? Because Jesus has given us insight that worry and anxiety chokes the word of God. And it makes it unproductive. Now, he didn't say you'll get 30-fold. He said you'll get zero-fold from the word. Anxiety and worry will choke the word and make it unproductive. Now, we need to look at that today. Because God wants us productive. The kingdom of God is ordained to produce for us. And Jesus is saying, be careful. If you sow anxiety in your heart, it will choke the word and make it unproductive. Anxiety is not natural. It is not something that God has ordained for you to walk in. Now, let us define anxiety. Let us look at anxiety. We've done this a few times in this church, but it's important enough and it bears repetition. And I'm going to take my time with this. Whenever you are anxious, whenever you are worried, whenever um, you carry a care, certain things occur. Number one, the foundation of every anxiety is fear. The foundation of every anxiety is fear. And it is a fear... And that fear is based on an imagination you have. There is a picture in your heart about an outcome that you do not desire. And that picture has been created or the devil has put a thought in your mind about an outcome that you don't desire. And you have formed an imagination based on it, a picture, and that picture is resting in your heart. And that picture is causing fear. Have you noticed that every anxiety is always about the future, isn't it? It is always a picture about an outcome you don't desire, an undesirable outcome. And that outcome does not have God in it. There's no anxiety that has God in it. It's always about something that is going to go wrong. Something that the devil is going to do. You're not going to have the money to pay the bill. Your child is going to be sick. All these kinds of things. A picture that is placed in your heart and it causes fear. That is what anxiety is. Okay? Now Jesus said, if anxiety is in your heart, it will choke the word. Now, pause here and go to the book of Hebrews chapter 2. I want you to see something. Now, we're, we're taking our time because we need to become experts at this thing. Have you ever tried to drive a car? Like a, um, a manual car. 
You know, we are the people that learned how to drive properly. Yeah, properly. Manual. Okay? Biting point. Clutch and accelerator. All these people that learn with automatics. I mean, come on. You don't know what life is. Do you understand? Even if you, you know, you want to pose by, you have a Tiptronic, you know, uh, gear system. It's not the same. Yeah, it's still, you know, it's still controlling. You need to know how to do the biting point. Gear one, you bite it. You're going uphill, you, you know. Now, can you remember when you first started learning? I mean, those of you who don't know how to drive a manual, this would be totally lost on you. But can you remember when you started learning and you thought, man, this is just impossible. It can't be done. There are so many variables that I'm having to learn. Okay? And at the same time, I'm looking at my mirror. You know, they say MSM, mirror signal maneuver. Meanwhile, I'm just getting to gear one. I'm meant to be thinking about that as well. I mean, how do you work this out? But give it a few months, you become an expert. All right? You become an expert. And every aspect has to be dealt with. You have to make sure that it is petrol in your engine, not diesel if it's a petrol engine. You've got to make sure there's water in the, in the radiator. You've got to make sure that there's, uh, there's brake fluid. Yeah? I mean, when I was learning to drive, when I learned to drive, I was in university. I had my mom's car. I mean, it was a panel van, a Toyota panel van. You know, it was a posing thing on campus, even though it was a hatchback. But I had to make sure that mom's car was okay. Yeah, you top the water, you top the oil, you make sure the fuel is, you open the bonnet, you know, and then you get into the car and you drive it. And there are a lot of things you need to watch, you need to check. I mean, there are a lot of things you need to do. But after a while, you get used to it. And when you get used to it, you drive easily. In fact, you know, uh, you, know you, you have uh, the passenger in the car, you're chatting, you've got to make sure that your wraps are flowing even while you're concentrating on the road. You get what I mean? Shandai. Okay? And it's all got to be seamless. It's got to be seamless. Like you've been doing this for many, many years. But you learn it first and then you get into the flow of it. You get into the rhythm of it. Hallelujah. We need to learn how to, to live from the heart and enjoy the productivity of the kingdom of God. This is how we are created to live. Don't be frustrated because it seems complicated. Sit down and learn. You will get it. You will become an expert at it because the grace of God is working on your behalf to give you the insights you need to understand every aspect of this thing. You will learn how you cannot walk in the luxury of unforgiveness. It hardens your heart. My heart must be tender. So I am sorry. Forgive me. You learn very quickly. So you deal with that. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15. The only way we're going to have, we're going to lead the world is because we have learned how to live by the thoughts of God. That's the only way. Verse 14 says, Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy who has him who has the power of death, that is the devil. So Jesus 
had to die to break the dominion of darkness over your life. The legitimate claim that Satan has over your life, Jesus had to come and die to break that claim over your life. Thank God he did that and we have accepted that. Hallelujah. And as a result, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. There is no demon, there is no principality or power that will stand before me and say as a claim over my life, I will say Jesus has rescued me from you. Hallelujah. It does not matter where my name is taken. Whether it's in the air or in the, in the ground, whether it's in a coven, once my name is mentioned, they'll say this one has been rescued from our dominion. Are you with me? My citizenship is recorded in heaven. Hebrews 12 says that when you gave your life to Jesus, they wrote your name in heaven. A legitimate transfer occurred, paid for by the blood of Jesus. He has cast in on what Jesus has done through believing and confessing Jesus as Lord. So Jesus had to come to break the claim of Satan over our lives. But look at what verse 15 says. And release those who through fear of death were what? All their lifetime subject to bondage. There is one thing being in the kingdom of darkness, and thank God that's been broken. But fear gives Satan the legitimate right to control your life. Fear gives Satan the legitimate right and access to control your life. And freedom from fear is one of the things the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ has effected. Hallelujah. Whatever area there is fear in your heart is the area where your life is under the devil's control. Wherever there is fear in your life is the area where your life is under the devil's control. I need to say that again. Wherever there's fear in your life is the area of your life where your life is under what? The devil's control. Jesus said when there's anxiety, it will choke the word. It will make the word unproductive. So in that area, the word of God, the life of God, which is the only way the kingdom comes into your life, will be unproductive. Anxiety is based on fear. Where there's fear, the devil is in control. So fear is not something that must be tolerated in our lives. Every time you receive a picture that causes you worry, every time you receive that picture and you allow it to dwell in your heart, you have planted the seed of anxiety in your heart, which is going to sprout as a thorn and choke the word in that area. It will choke the word. Don't say it wouldn't in Jesus' name. It will. It will choke the word. 
it will choke the word. It will choke the word. Every time you take an action based on the worry in your heart, what started as a seed is now bearing fruit. Every time you take an action that is based on a worry, which is a fear, that seed that you planted by receiving the picture is bearing fruit in your life. You are giving Satan a greater hold. Because first of all, he must put it as a thought in your mind. And then the next thing is, when that thought comes, you must paint a picture because it is your imagination. Satan does not have control of your imagination. Are you with me? He puts a thought in your, in your mind. And then you look at that thought and now you paint a picture. And you place that picture on your heart. And after a while, every time you say it, and you say it, and you think about it, and you say it, the picture becomes established in your heart, and then you begin to act out that picture. Yeah? Satan is getting a greater hold. And any word of God that um, comes to negate that picture, if you don't give it its rightful place, it will choke uh, the word, um, the, 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 the thorn will choke that word in your life. Hallelujah. So Jesus says, make sure that your heart doesn't have thorns. Deal with every anxiety. Deal with every worry. Because anxiety is always based on fear. And once fear takes its root, Satan will control your life. So how do we deal with this? We must deal with it. We must deal with it. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. We must deal with it. Hallelujah. When there is anxiety, Satan is in control. He controls your life. He controls your thoughts. He controls your actions. And so the word cannot produce. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, not some things, but what? Everything. Be anxious for nothing. Don't let fear in. Because if fear comes in, it will control your life. So be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What, it is, what is it guarding your heart against? What is it guarding your heart against? From fear. Isn't that correct? It's guarding your heart from fear. It's fortifying your heart. So that when another thought comes, your heart is guarded. Yeah? So you have not... Um, Done what the verse is saying if your heart is not guarded and at peace. Some people say, well, I, I committed it to the Lord, but you can, see, you can still see that fear has their hearts. So when we do this properly, our hearts will be guarded. It will be fortified against every dart and every anxiety that Satan tries to bring into our hearts. Now, how do we do this? We must learn to do this. How 
do we do this? What does it mean by everything, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving? Let us go to Psalm 131 and learn from David. Let us learn from David, the king. Because these things we're talking about are not new. You know, whenever we talk about revelation, revelation does not mean that nobody else knows it. It just means it's revelation to you. Chandai. Just because you're just knowing it does not mean that um, other people thousands of years before haven't known this thing. Because David knew this. Psalm 131. Oh, come on now. Don't get tired. Psalm 131, verse 1. He said, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, nor do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a wind child with his mother, like a wind child is my soul within me. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. He said, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Now, now, why does somebody need to calm their soul? It means the soul is, there's something going on that is, is trying to cause turmoil. It's trying to cause anxiety. Yeah, it's trying to cause worry. A picture is trying to take root in my heart that is out of line with the kingdom. My soul is receiving input from the external. And it's trying to establish a picture in my heart. David said, I have calmed and quieted my soul. And the result of this is I have directed my hope in the Lord. I have calmed and quieted my soul. There is peace. I have caused peace to rule my heart. I have dispelled anxiety in my heart. Now, how did he do this? Look at Psalm 119, verse 49. In Psalm 119, verse 49, David said, Lord, remember the word. Everyone say the word. The word. Remember the word unto your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has quickened me, or your word has given me life. Hallelujah. So when anxiety tried to come, the only way I will resist anxiety is with a higher thought. Is by embracing the thought of God. And that thought, when I embrace that thought through meditation... It will calm my heart. Hallelujah. It will calm my heart. The, the devil wants to bring anxiety into your life and worry into your life. Because he knows that if he enters your heart with worry and anxiety, he will control your life. You know, this week I was sitting in my office, as we all do, working. And I got an email from one of our bankers, from Scambic, in fact. And this was a general email. And it was just notifying their customers that the central bank has suspended 
uh, the Dutch auctions. And so every, um, every uh, requirement for Forex is going to go to the secondary market. Yeah? Now, when I received that email, okay, that kind of email has certain implications. Because you know that now the exchange rate is $220 to a naira. Or 220 naira to a dollar. Chandai, prophecy. Hallelujah. You know, the exchange rate is now 220 naira to a dollar. You know the implications of that. So the implications, uh, it has implications for people who employ staff and pay them in dollars. Yeah? Chandai. Yours truly. It has implications for people who adventure, have children abroad, and I need to pay school fees. Chandai. It has implications for people who may not necessarily have empl uh, employees that are paid in dollars or children abroad, but buy products in Nigeria that come from abroad. So we're all, we're all, we're all identifying now. Yeah, we're all identifying now. Okay? Now, now when I, I was in my office, I was working. When I received that email, and I just read it, the implications came to my heart as a picture. Okay? The implications came. I didn't have to meditate. It just came. Isn't it amazing? You know, there are things you don't have to meditate on. The implications came as a picture. I was in my office. So what I did in my office was I opened the Bible. Yeah? Now, those of you who have an issue with having your Bible on the iPad and consider it not authentic, I am sorry for you. Because right there where I was, in my office, my iPad is in front of me, I was working, I quickly turned to the Bible. Okay? Now, we're talking about how to stand against the thoughts of worry and anxiety entering your heart. Because, listen to me, if anxiety enters your heart, it will choke the word. Every time. Every time. Every time. And God has created us to operate in the productivity of the kingdom. And for the productivity of the kingdom, your heart must be involved. And the word must have its resting place there. And it must be defended against every thought of darkness. So I open to the Bible. Look at um, Colossians. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. The NLT says, Always thanking the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he rescued you from the kingdom of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his dear son. So right there in my office, I said, Father, I thank you because Jesus did come and he rescued me from the dominion of darkness. I am not in the dominion of darkness anymore. I'm not under Satan's rule. I am in the kingdom of God and it's the kingdom of light. And the Bible says I share in the inheritance that is eligible to everyone in the kingdom. So I began walking in my office and saying, thank you, Lord. I share in the inheritance that is eligible to those in the kingdom of light because I am rescued from the dominion of darkness. 
And then I turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Uh, verse, uh, verse 19. I'm talking about how I calmed and quieted my soul. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. The New Living Translation again. Paul says to the Philippians, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. This God that takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given. Not which will be given, but which have been given to us in Christ. So I began to walk in my office and say, Lord, I thank you because I have been delivered from the authority of darkness. From the dominion of darkness. I am in the kingdom of God. And therefore, because I am in the kingdom of God, the Lord who took care of Paul would supply my needs from his glorious riches that have been given. Lord, I thank you because you have given me access to your glorious riches. Hallelujah. Lord, you have given me access. You have given me access. You have given me access to your glorious riches. You have given me access. You are not going to give me. You have given me access in Christ to your glorious riches. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you because I have access. My needs are met according to your glorious riches. You know, as I began to say that, a picture began to form in my heart. And it calmed my soul. Hallelujah. It quieted my soul. And I began to be joyful in my heart. Paul says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. You know, it is in quiet... That the wisdom of God comes. Hallelujah. It is in the place of quietness. Where a heart is fixed. Trust in the Lord. That the wisdom of God rises up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your heart will only produce what is in it. Your heart will only produce what is in it. So the way the kingdom works is this. Whenever you have a problem, whenever you have a problem, you must start with the answer. The way the kingdom works is this. Whenever you have a problem, you must start with the answer. And feed that answer as a thought into your heart to calm and fortify your heart. And then it is in that process of communing with the answer that the wisdom of God comes regarding direction and what steps to take. We always have an answer in the word of God. Always. Have an answer in the word of God. And you know, as I, as I began to meditate in the word and thank God for the fact that I have been given access to all the riches of heaven in Christ. In that atmosphere of calmness, 
certain thoughts began to come from my heart. Are you with me? Because I was feeding my heart on the answer. Always feed your heart on the answer. There is a thought of God in the scriptures that is the answer to what you are looking for. If it is healing, if it is a need for healing, go and fill your heart with the thoughts of God concerning what he has given you. Feed your heart on the answer. It will calm your soul. It will mount guard and protect your heart from the onslaught of the devil. So the thoughts of wickedness, the thoughts of fear, the thoughts of anxiety will not be able to come in because your heart is fortified. And as you meditate on that, the Lord will give you wisdom. Hallelujah. The Lord will give you wisdom because truly all the riches of heaven have been given you in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I got, af I got the wisdom after I had fortified my soul. A lot of times we're looking for wisdom before we fortify our hearts. But your wisdom comes from your heart. So if your heart is established in fear and anxiety, the wisdom is not coming because the wisdom comes from there. Are you with me? So wisdom began to come. Hallelujah. Wisdom began to come. I thought, oh, okay, 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 okay. Wisdom began to come. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay. Hallelujah. Okay. It's not a problem what the exchange rate is if you earn in dollars. It really isn't a problem. In fact, it can be a benefit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would never have had that thought. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, 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 okay. I had to start with the answer. I had to start with the answer. I had to start with the answer. You know, the, the circumstances will always lead you to a place of decision. Where you have to decide... If you would live as a, or remain as a citizen of the earth, or enter into the kingdom of God, circumstances will always lead you to that place of choice. And the Lord will allow circumstances to lead you to that position. Would I remain as a citizen of the earth, as a, meaning bound to the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of darkness, or enter into the kingdom of God. You see, I reached a point of decision in my office. And I made a decision. And I entered into God's kingdom by making a choice to embrace, to search the thoughts of God and embrace the thoughts of God and fill my heart with them to fortify my heart against anxiety and enter into the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. I don't care if it's 500 naira to a dollar. I will not be afraid. Hallelujah. I will not be afraid. You should not be afraid. But it doesn't come by saying, oh, it is well. Because if that well, if that it is well statement, it is not echoing an established heart. It is not well. It is not well. It is not well. We must answer 
anxiety with the truth. We must push every trace of anxiety out of our hearts and enter into the kingdom of God in every area of our lives. Jesus said, these are those that fall among thorns who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the loss of other things, enter in and choke the word and make it unfruitful. We have the answer to standing against every onslaught of anxiety and worry. Answer every anxiety with the truth of the word. Fortify your heart with God's thoughts and God's answer. And from that place of fortification, wisdom will come. Hallelujah. I said wisdom will come. Wisdom will come. Wisdom will come because this is the kingdom of God.